for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back in the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As promised, every Wednesday, uh, courtesy of our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa, we head east to Chicago, the Windy City. He's David Kaplan, thecapman.com, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports SN. Cap, Trenton, Kent, thanks for coming on. How are you, Capper? I'm good, boys. How are you doing? And make sure that you always tell those that you love that you love them, and I saw Shaq's amazing yes. emotional tribute last night, and I'm that guy, I tweeted this, that picks up the phone, I call the people I'm closest to, and some of the goofs I work with, and I say that lovingly, are like, <laughs> dude, what's with phone calls, man? Just text. I'm not a phone person. Well, I am a phone person. Yeah. And so the people in my inner circle, they get phone calls, and they think I'm nuts. I am not changing. Yeah, it's really changed the world, has it not? And you know what, Cap, is as, as tragic as it was with those nine people that lost their lives uh, in the helicopter crash, seeing a lot of that, right? We're seeing a lot of people that this has moved them to, you know, to pick up the phone and to reach out, and maybe there's someone, like, for instance, you mentioned Shaq. I mean, he hadn't talked to uh, to Kobe, I think, since the Kobe's last game in the NBA, which is crazy to think, and, and that's moving some people, and maybe something good will come out of that tragic situation and maybe we grow closer um, again. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I always hope that. And then 9-11 happens and we become kinder to each other. And a month later, we're right back to being the same group of jackasses that many of us are. And that's unfortunate. That's sad. That's disappointing. You can throw any adjective you want on it. Uh, But I do hope at some point, like, I got these, just to get off topic for a second, uh, my wife works for Lou Malnati's Pizza. The wife of the owner of the company, Mark Malnati's wife, Jean, she's big on spreading, she calls it, love and positive vibes and all that. And that's, like, right up my alley. And so she got me a bag of these little silver, sterling silver hearts. And so I give it to, you know, people that I'm closest to, somebody that I might work with and go, hey, man, just want you to know you're in my heart. Hey, I got people around here going, well, you gave one to that guy? I didn't know you guys were that good. I'm like, hey, you got a heart? Just don't worry about what I give to other people. Just worry about I gave one to you. That's just the way I wish our whole world was, that we were more about each other rather than the jealousies and the, you voted for that guy, I hate you. You didn't vote for that guy, I hate you. I just hate where we're at as a people right now. Cap to Kobe Bryant and uh, his time coming through Chicago, of course. Many people considered him the heir apparent, the throne of the yep. NBA, to Michael Jordan. How he was and any interactions with you and Kobe? Unfortunately, I never did get to interview Kobe. One of the few. Um, I know Sonny Vaccaro exceptionally well, exceptionally well, and I got to interview him yesterday. And I knew he was close to Kobe. I didn't realize how close he was to Kobe. Uh, but I do remember Kobe in high school. When I was scouting, I do remember, you know, talking to the guy I worked for with the Sonics who had then left and gone on to the Atlanta Hawks, and he's telling me, 
quick story. His name was Gary Wortman. May he rest in peace. He died of cancer. Gary Wortman calls me one day. This is 1995. He says, hey, man, I'm flying in to Chicago. Want to go see DePaul and Georgetown with me? Yeah, absolutely. He said, pick me up. I get in at 2 o'clock. We will go get dinner. He wanted Carson's ribs, and then we're going to go see DePaul. I pick him up. He gets in. He's like, I'm starving for these ribs. And I said, yeah, we're not going to eat. I'm taking you to a game. He's like, it's 2.30. Who's playing in the afternoon on a Tuesday? So we're going to see a high school game. He's like, I'm not going to see high school basketball. Kids cannot make the jump from high school Mm. to the pros. I said, this kid can. We go to a gym. We walk in. We're there five minutes. He's like, all right, let's go eat. That's the greatest player I've ever seen. It was Kevin Garnett. (laughs) And he couldn't believe this kid was in high school. Fast forward a year later, I get a tape in the mail from Gary with a note. Hope you're well. You think Garnett's good? Wait till you see this kid. And he sends me a videotape, and it's Kobe Bryant at Lower Marion High School. Mm. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest. Uh, Cap, you know, go back to the the Jordan, the, the, the point that Trent brought up, because I do remember that as well, that, you know, when Kobe was coming into the league and Jordan was, you know, starting, not to decline, but his, his reign at the top of his sport was starting to be challenged, at least in some people's mind. What was that like? Were, were there people that you know didn't want this young kid to come and take the crown from a guy who meant so much to them in Jordan? Do you remember that time? Yeah, I don't think that people didn't want him to take the crown. I think the fact that he imitated Michael in so many ways, there were some people maybe in Chicago that were like, all right, enough with the... Uh, trying to be like Mike in every single thing that you do. But then you started to just watch him play, and you're like, this guy's ridiculous. I mean, his work ethic and just everything that he did, he was such a great player. So, you know, it started to be, this guy's legit. He may never be Michael, but he's awfully damn close. And he's really good, and he goes down as one of the, you know, five, ten greatest players of all time. And I keep hearing this story out there that there's two million uh, uh, signatures on a petition to change the logo of the NBA. Mm. I think that's ridiculous. I do too. The logo is Jerry West. If he doesn't want that and he asks the league to strip it from him, then Michael Jordan becomes the logo. But uh, to retire his number around the league, I think that's ridiculous. He was a great, great player. Honor him how you you want, but because he passed, all of a sudden this is happening and I think we gotta let it just settle down david kaplan joining us it's miller and condon on kx and cap to the super bowl another year another year without the chicago bears involved in it as we're running on uh, 14 years without the bears in the big game but what do you anticipate we're going to see late sunday afternoon with the chiefs and the 49ers you know my heart wants andy Reid. my head says boy that other team can really defend mm-hmm. can really run the football but can they get enough offense if Kansas City is able to utilize their speed? So I, I haven't made a pick yet. There are days where I'm like, Chiefs are going to win. They're going to win comfortably. And there are days where I go, yeah, i got to go with San Francisco. So I'm conflicted. I'm just excited to watch a really good game, eat some good food, and just enjoy the Super Bowl. Like, to be honest with you, I'm going to say on my show this morning, my, my guys Danny Zetterman and Chris Black are like, you want to start with the Super Bowl? We can break down all the matchups. And I said, boring. They're like, what do you mean boring? I said, I'm bored by that already. Enough. Play the football game. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for everything that goes with it, with the commercials and 
being with friends. We used to go to Tommy Waddle, has a big party. I'm excited for all that. The pregame hype, I'm past it already. Hmm. David Kaplan is our guest. Cap, I know you're also friends with Big Cat. Barstool Sports apparently uh, is going to cash in in a big way. Penn National Gaming is uh, buying a significant stake in them. How long have you been, uh, so not associated, but how long have you known that group? And uh, boy, oh boy, they have really taken this and, and grown it into just a behemoth. And now they're getting set to cash in in a big way. Yeah, I'm happy for those guys. Dan Katz is a really good dude. He's a Chicago guy. Uh, I don't know David Portnoy, uh, stool president on Twitter, who's the president of the company, who I think will stand to have the largest cash-in stake. Uh, but Barstool's Big Cat's going to get some money. He's just a good dude. They found a niche. Mainstream media didn't like the niche because they called it misogynistic mm-hmm. or sexist or whatever they wanted you know, the label to put on it. And if, here's my take on it. If you don't like it, don't click on it. There are other people that do, obviously, because it gets millions and millions of clicks every day. My nephews, who are ones in med school, ones in law school, highly educated, classy young men, they love it. They love Barstool Big Cat. They think he's hilarious on Waddle and Sylvie. And so good for them. If these guys had the temerity, the whatever, to try and build this thing from the ground up, and they made some mistakes and offended some people, yeah, but when some of the self-righteous ones are... You know, you can't put them on ESPN. What, are you kidding me? Yes, they can. And if you don't like it, don't watch. But there are other people that want to watch. I'm happy for these guys that they're going to cash out for millions. It's happening. The Cubs have made the big news that we've been waiting for all off season. They bring in Jeremy Jeffries. This is and Sousa. And Sousa. This team, they're coming together, Cap. Oh, yeah, huge. John <laughs> Philip Sousa and Jeremy Jeffries and his food truck and you know, a bunch of relievers that Ryan Tapera that you've never heard of. And I think it's unfortunate. I really do. I think it's embarrassing that a baseball team in the middle of its window, mm-hmm. it's not as though they were a 71-win team and we're all over. This is in the middle of their window, two more years of control on their guys, their main guys, three with Contreras, and they're not going to spend. They're not going to improve. I think that's embarrassing. Hmm. Cap, last thing for you. Uh, Cincinnati gets Castellanos. The, uh, you know, just more to your point, the division, it seems like there's, there's teams making move, but one of those teams, as you just mentioned, uh, is the Chicago Cubs. Been a disappointing offseason. Have the White Sox won the offseason in Chicago, Cap? <laughs> yeah. Secretariat won the Belmont. Hmm, like by 31. Length, <laughs> or 31 lengths. Um, yeah, no question about it. Good for them. I was at SoxFest last weekend. I was yeah. at Cubs the week before, and the vibe between the two so radically different because Cubs fans usually just kind of swat the White Sox away as an mm-hmm. annoying little mosquito. The White Sox fans are usually a perfect day for them is first the Cubs lose, then they win. And this time it's the Cubs can't ignore what the Sox have coming, and it looks pretty impressive and the White Sox are puffing their chest out. So that's the way it is in this town. Good stuff, Cap. Thank you. Boys, have a wonderful day. Give those closest to you a hug. Indeed, my friend. Thank you, Cap. Good to talk to you. David Kaplan joining us from Chicago. 
Uh, he's got Illinois, Illinois State Evansville tonight. So The return you, of Licklider. The return. It hasn't been a pretty return. No, it hasn't been. It's been a bad year since the, in a lot of ways yes. for Evansville. You know, I don't go to Barstool Sports. I don't I, either. I've, I don't know if I've ever been. I know the guy. I've clicked that, on a link or two. Do you? you? know, maybe every couple weeks something will kind of pop mm-hmm. up and I'll click on it. Really, the only guy is... Uh, the pizza kid. The guy that eats <laughs> the pizza. <laughs> that, that's Portney, right? Yes, yeah. Um... Bobby Reagan, we've had him on the program. He's he's a college basketball guy, and he does a podcast with Rob Doster. So I hear him from time to time, and I click on some of his stuff, but it's college basketball. I mean, anybody can write about college basketball. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll click on it, (laughs) and that's about it for me. But, yeah, I I know a lot of people, some of my friends are very entertained by it, talk about it. But I think the only thing that I enjoy on a weekly basis during football season is when they do the fastest three minutes in sports and it's a, an homage to the old primetime. Is it? Okay. And, and Big Cat, he does his Chris Berman impersonation. It's great. He's just, just sitting there while highlights are playing. Boom, boom, boom. You know, just, just doing the whole thing. That's entertaining, but uh, interesting. And what did you say? Did the, the... $136 million they got for 36% of the 36%. company with a promise that in 2023 they get another... 63 million, which will take Penn National, who owns a bunch of racetracks and a bunch of casinos, um, will take them to a 50% owner of Barstool Sports. So the hmm. total deal is going to come in uh, roughly a quarter of a billion dollars somewhere around. Maybe not quite that matter. 200, 200, 200 million. We're splitting differences here. But yeah. uh, so I guess, obviously, um, Penn National Gaming sees an, an opportunity to get to a big database mm-hmm. of people. And they hope to expand gaming, and um, you know it's it's going state by state. But eventually, I think it's going to be for the most part everywhere. And they think that they're going to be able to recoup their money by uh, directing some of the uh, subscribers at Barstool Sports or the people that click on it to, you know, to uh, um, download an app and bet uh, with Penn National. I don't know. Yeah. It is interesting. Speaking of betting, um, where this money comes from sometimes it's too crazy, it's crazy. Um, Sports Spotlight would have done it too. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Too. Yeah, who knows? Anyways, we had the wrong partner. Um, <laughs> speaking of point spreads, uh-huh. Iowa State is a four and a half point dog to Baylor. At least they were when we last we checked in the first hour of the program. I'm assuming they're still there. We're going to talk to Alex Halstead coming up on Iowa State. Four and a half to Baylor. One of those lines that make you scratch your head, right? At least it is to me. And I see three and a half. You see three and a half at now? a couple of spots. Wow, what is happening here? Well, I don't think that there is a legitimate, oh my God, this team is unbeatable in college basketball. Sure. And Baylor finds themselves on the top of the, not on the top, but certainly very close to it. Um, but I don't think that they're unbeatable by any means. I don't think you do, do you? No, not, I'm not at saying all. just tonight, um, but overall, I don't think that this is a juggernaut. Of no, a team. no, that they're runaway that right. much better than anybody else that's in Hilton. I don't know. We've seen Scotcher teams that. Aren't this good? Right, come in and beat better That's Iowa true. State teams than this. And I fell into the trap back to Kansas game. Or boy, it's only five and a half. Kansas hmm. is only five and a half. Something's going on here. And I jumped on Iowa State. I don't know if I can do that tonight. Thinking of laying the points is that what you? Well, we got some time before we get out of here. They beat them by thirteen, uh, middle of January. In, and that was a close game of memory serves for a long time. Wasn't and then it they had that big run, kind of middle of the second run, half. Yes. And it got up to, what, 19, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was over from there. And maybe that comeback at the end against Auburn can going to get them going. And I think they're going to have to play differently. This is a game where if you want to go away from playing the two, two bigs that they have for most of this season, 
the game to do it is here against Baylor because of what they do with their four-guard lineup. Well, we'll talk to Alex Halstead, see what he thinks about that. He's had an opportunity, I'm assuming, to talk to Coach Prohm since the team has been back from Auburn. What a great comeback, huh? I mean, I, I, there was no point watching that, that basketball game. I think, yeah, Iowa State's going to keep this close. Yeah, they got a run in them. I never felt that and there was a run in game. Yeah. And then Lewis, I mean, he takes that three at the end. I get it. Um, but didn't go and maybe didn't need that. But, uh, Good for Iowa State at that. Look, there's, it's, it's no moral victories, but they, they, they fought till the end. Got to give them credit for that. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk to Alex Allstead on Iowa State. Miller and Condon with you until noon. And Murph and Andy coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4. We're on Des Moines Sports Station. But before we do that, I got to do a couple of housekeeping notes, Trent. Um, Centurion Stone of Iowa is the sponsor of the Cap Man, and we're certainly grateful for them for that. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Uh, dot com. If you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa offers a variety of styles, colors, and patterns for your every need. Over 200 color and pattern combinations. Centurion Stone. Check them out online or visit the showroom. They're at 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Time to do this. It's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio and 1460 KXNO. Tech the keyword taxi to 200 200 right now that's your chance to win a thousand dollars that's taxi to 200 200 you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest back with alex halstead next 24 7 sports cyclonealert.com we take you until noon on des moines sports station 14 prices vary based on how you buy Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's been a good segment here talking Iowa State. The number one team in the country shares the floor at Hilton Coliseum. The Baylor Bears, Iowa State. It is an 8 o'clock tip. ESPNU with the TV, 100.3. The flagship of the Cyclone Radio Network has the coverage. It gets underway with Messrs. Heft and Walters at 7 o'clock. The game tips at 8. Let's get to Alex Halstead, shall we? CycloneAlert.com, a big portion of 24-7 sports, and he joins us. And we'll get to the basketball in a second. <laughs> uh, but Alex, I, we, I have to get you to opine on the news that broke over the weekend. Not a big shock. Real Mitchell needs to play, I think. I think a lot of people uh, felt like, um, you know, he just needs an opportunity and it wasn't going to come with Brock Purdy. He's entered the transfer portal. Um, I'm guessing it didn't surprise you at all and probably didn't catch anybody off guard, right? Yeah, no surprise here that, that Real Mitchell is going to transfer. This is something that at least, you know, even after Brock Purdy's freshman season, I think you could have started to see coming unless Real Mitchell was maybe willing to try out some other positions uh, secondary um, on the side. But even last summer, I think going into last season, you kind of felt like, you know, this was going to be the direction things were going to start to go unless something happened uh, with Brock Purdy's health. And, you know, him being a 13-game starter and now uh, for sure back in 2020, assuming then we'll be back in 2021 unless he has, you know, such a season where – you know, something would happen professionally, but, you know, two more seasons behind Real, and then you look at, 
you know, the guys he'd have to compete with even in his senior year, or, um, you know, you, you're looking at Hunter Deckers and Aiden Bowman, guys that would be able to develop. So I think all signs point to this, especially because it sounded like, you know, he wasn't probably someone that had much interest in trying out wide receiver or, you know, being, you know, a, a kind of a multi-use type of guy. You know, as you look at this uh, Real Mitchell, it was he was a spotlight of a big piece on Netflix, QB1, and, and that, of course, ramped up, I think, the excitement about him. He's an athletic guy. He's a guy that can move around. He's incredibly fast. But you do wonder in today's age of quarterbacks, you want guys that can move, but you have to be able to throw the football. What is the right fit for him? Is it a spread offense? You know, I saw some people say maybe the triple option would make sense, making his way you know, to one of the academies doing something like that. What do you think is a good spot for him staying as a quarterback? Yeah, I think you know probably the best fit for him is just you know an offense that's going to utilize that speed in terms of his running ability. Um, I'm not saying his arm isn't good, but it obviously you know wasn't there to beat out Brock Purdy. And you know I think um, that's probably the, the bigger question of his game is not his ability to escape the pocket, but probably you have to stand there and go through all the reads and, and make throws. And I think the bigger thing for him that Iowa State really worked on this last year was um, trying to make him stay in the pocket at times. You know, because I think he, he's had a tendency, you know, behind the scenes in practice to ditch the pocket because of his speed. And so I think that would be the biggest thing is a, a school that wants to utilize that, that speed uh, maybe, maybe first and, um, and then bring his passing game along. And it's going to be interesting to see where, where he might be able to go because you look at a high school, he had a lot of big offers, and a lot of those offers were to play other positions, you know, in terms of some of those bigger Power 5 schools. I would say did legitimately bring him in as a quarterback, and obviously he was their first quarterback, but – you know, once Brock Purdy emerged, they tried the Blaze package, and I think they were willing to try him at um, some different positions. But um, from everything I've always heard, he's been pretty set on he wants to be a quarterback, and so that's going to limit his options in terms of going to transfer because, you know, I'm sure there are schools that would be interested in him as an athlete, um, but those schools, um, you know, would probably want him, you know, to be open to that idea. And so if he's going to be, you know, someone who wants to pursue be a quarterback, that probably limits his options a little bit, you know, but he is a guy that has, you know, several years of eligibility, dynamic speed, and if you can find a way to use that in your offense, you know, he could be a good fit for somebody. If one of those two true freshmen coming in wins the backup job this year, who do you think has a leg up? Is it the Minnesotan Aiden Bowman or the kid from Northwest Iowa in Hunter Deckers? I'd, I'd probably just right now, you know, going with my gut, say Aiden Bowman, and that's mostly because he's already on campus, and I mm-hmm. think that's just going to give anybody a leg up. You know, he's but on campus here for a couple of weeks, he'll get 15 spring practices as basically the number two quarterback. And so, you know, Brock Purdy's going to be the guy as a starter and going to get the reps, but Bowman's going to get a ton of reps and an ability to learn the offense. And I think that just gives him a leg up at least initially, but obviously Hunter Deckers is really talented. Uh, yesterday, 24 seven sports finalized it's top 247 and he's ranked as the number uh, 228 overall player in the country, regardless of position and the number eight dual threat quarterback. So they both have ability, um, you know, but I think Bowman just being here already and the fact that he's going to know the offense before they even go to summer workouts when Deckers arrives probably gives him that leg up. All right, talking to uh, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. All right, Alex, it seems like uh, as we switch to basketball, it seems like, you know, when, when Iowa State's not having year on the floor that, uh, you know, that the fan base has gotten used to, there's always been one of those nights at Hilton, right? Every winter mm. there's one of those nights where they pick off a Kansas or a top-five team in the country goes down, and even though the season overall didn't, uh, didn't uh, live up to the expectations, at least they had that night. They haven't had that night yet. Might tonight be that night, Alex? 
It, it definitely could be. I mean, Iowa State's had success against Baylor at home Coliseum. This series actually is pretty much a home-dominated series. You look all-time, Iowa State leads the series 20 uh, to 19 against Baylor, but they're 14-3 at Hilton Coliseum. Now, with that said, uh, Baylor hadn't had a lot of success in the in the uh, you know first decade of that series, but recently they've had a little bit more success in names. Uh, while Iowa State is 14 and three at Hilton all time, uh, three of those all three of those wins have come since 2015. So Baylor's had some more success in names uh, as of late. They've obviously had some talented teams in in those seasons, and they're going to come in tonight as the number one team in the country. Iowa State's last win against the number one team was in 2016. Uh, against uh, Oklahoma. So they have quite a challenge, but I think, you know, there, there are some things that are, if they go right for Iowa State, particularly if they shoot really well from three and, and defend the ball a little bit better than they did in Waco, you know, maybe they have a shot. But uh, it, it's hard for me to, you know, put anything on that right now, although uh, the, the opening line was Iowa State only a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And I tweeted that out and uh, got a lot of people saying easy money on Baylor. And so you thought maybe the line would start to swing, and instead uh, it's now a four-point line. So it's, it's actually going the opposite way most people would probably think. So it's interesting because uh, yep. you always think some of these things are easy to predict. And like you said, Ken, you know, sometimes they don't happen the way we think they're going to. It's crazy uh, watching that and seeing that's is, this is shaping up to be a pros versus Joes night in college hoops mm-hmm. with Baylor and Iowa State. The Auburn game, the comeback, give them a chance late in that basketball game Seemingly for 30-plus minutes, it didn't feel like there was any chance that Iowa State was going to make any kind of run at the Tigers, but they did. Confidence in that and confidence with this team going forward that they can compete with one of the better teams and do it on the road in the country. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that it seemed like from the fan base, it seemed like they were actually pretty happy with, with at least the effort. Now, uh, I think you got to kind of balance those two things because like Steve Promis told us in recent weeks, effort is the part that should be there regardless of of game or night or anything like that. So I think that should just be the expectation. But I think fans were at least happy to see, you know, based on the reaction, happy to see them, you know, not fold to that 18-point deficit, whereas maybe against Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech earlier this month, those games kind of started to get out of hand and Iowa State just kind of, you know, fell apart. This game was a little bit different. And a lot of their success started to come when they started pounding the ball inside. You know, you saw Zion Griffin take it from the corner and drive. Uh, I think Bolton, you know, drove and then dished it off to Solomon Young uh, in, in that run. And, you know, that's one of the things they've got to continue to figure out. I know they say they're going to, you know, try to alter how they play a little bit because the threes aren't necessarily falling. They struggled again from three um, against Auburn. Um, but it was, it was that run, you know, where they weren't necessarily just shooting a bunch of threes that, that has some success. Now, I know it's a delicate balance right now because they're still missing a lot of wide-open threes. And so, you know, do you just stop shooting them or, or what do you do? I think that's, that's the question. They obviously shot well at home last week against Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's the worst team in the Big 12. So, and they've got to figure out that balance. You know, Prentice Nixon is really struggling, yes. um, struggled again. Uh, last week, I think he went seven, two of seven from three. Mm. Um, they may get Trey Jackson back tonight. He, he was supposed to get his mask in yesterday. They're going to see how he does with the mask. But, you know, between Terrence Lewis and Trey Jackson, I think if they're going to have any success here in the coming months, you know, a couple of those guys have to step up next to Bolton and, and Tyrese. So when did he break his nose? <laughs> well, you know, it happened in the Oklahoma State game. He, he came off the court. Um, they had some stuff, I think, in his nostrils, and he was like, kind of on the bench. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't even on the bench. And you saw kind of trainer Vic Miller coming back and forth with um, the, the, the team doctor. Um, and then he all of a sudden, I think, did come back and then uh, didn't play Saturday versus Auburn uh, because they wanted to wait to get a mask in. And so Steve Probe said they were supposed to get that mask in yesterday. I don't know what, what all goes into that. They obviously have to probably get a mold for his face, but it seems like it took a little while for them to get that mask in. Uh, but that came in yesterday. He was going to try to practice with it. And then if, if all went well, he was going to maybe play tonight. 
Uh, Prohm said he was questionable more so than doubtful uh, to play tonight. What about lineup changes? It was hinted at after the Auburn game. You, the, everybody seemed to uh, think that uh, the lineup that they had in there late in the game at Auburn when they did make that bit of a run seemed to be something that they should uh, at least kick the tires on going forward. Will Coach Prohm change up his starting lineup? And if so, uh, is that a Nixon? Is that a Michael Jacobson that maybe don't see starters minutes uh, in this basketball game? Right now, I'd probably lean towards no, just because as, as we've talked about before, you know, Prom is pretty slow on, on adapting his lineup. You know, he, he's brought up before that he likes to try to give guys confidence. And so I would probably lean towards he, he keeps it the same. But with that said, I think he's going to be a little bit more quick trigger. You saw uh, Princess Nixon go over to the right away in the Auburn game, and it, he was out, it seemed like, in a reasonable amount of time. And, um, and maybe that means that Jacobson or Prentice Nixon come out quicker. Um, or even Condit, you know, recently has struggled a little bit. They come out quicker in favor of a Terrence Lewis or a Trey Jackson or a Solomon Young. And I think Prome is going to more and more start sticking with the hot hand. And it'll be interesting to see if he shakes up the lineup. But I think the, the more important thing might be, because we know he doesn't change his lineups a ton, might be who does he start giving minutes to rather than who does he start. I'm contractually obligated to ask you about my boy Terrence Lewis. <laughs> so here it goes. Uh, look good at times. Had that ill-advised shot. Right when he came in the game, it wasn't very good against Auburn, but it's inconsistent minutes for him. It's inconsistent play from him. It's kind of a yin and yang type of thing here. What's going to go on? Is it just going to be a continued question throughout the season, maybe throughout the course of his whole career? Yeah, I think until we see it for like a two, three game stretch where it's consistent minutes and consistent play, you know, all we can do is think it's going to be inconsistent. You know, Steve Storm told us a couple of weeks ago that there were some things behind the scenes in terms of he was trying to help him come along maturity-wise and some different things. And so I think that led to the question, or to answer the question that we've talked about recently of why did he maybe play so many minutes one game and then not play at all against, say, TCU. Um, that answered that question. The question of now why are his minutes a little bit sporadic, you know, Prome answered kind of on Monday and said, you know, he, he was really good from thought for that stretch and his energy he thought was maybe the best it's been in terms of just getting offensive rebounds and putbacks and getting on the glass. Uh, but he's just a little bit inconsistent with various parts of his game, you know, particularly shot selection and, and defensively. You know, like you, you mentioned, he came in, he chucked up the shot. Girl said he knows that's a bad shot, but he doesn't think about it until after the fact, and that's something they're still trying to bring along. Defensively, you know, Prom said he didn't want to kind of beg on him, but, um, you know, he, there's like a 5-0 spurt late in that game uh, where Okuro uh, for Auburn, you know, really drove on him, and, and, and Terrence Lewis had a couple of breakdowns. And so, you know, I think they're just trying to bring him along in that area of the game. But if if he can play a little more more consistent, we've seen how good he could be in that stretch. And there's been a couple times this year where he's on these like little mini runs himself. That it's like if he could be that even a little bit more of the time, you know, he could be that third scorer for Iowa State because Prentice Nixon is struggling. You know, you, you watch a lot of basketball, Alex. Uh, Baylor's the number one team in the country. So someone has to be. Um, if somebody's going to be on top of those rankings week in, week out. It, it just it just sounds as though I'm, I'm poking holes in what they've done. But I don't look at this team like they're invincible. I, I just don't. What am I missing? Yeah, I think the one thing with them is you don't look at them and say they've got this one or two superstars um, or, I guess, top players that – um, are the reason that, that make them go. Whereas you look at some of these other teams in the country and they've got that one guy that, you know, really scares you. I think the thing with Baylor, it seems like, you know, they've got five, six guys that just collectively uh, are all pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes them difficult. When you, when you talk to Steve Prohm, he said, you know, he mentions off like three, four names. 
that you have to really pay attention to both in the paint and on the perimeter, and that makes it difficult to guard them. That was really the big focus for them tonight is they have to have better on-ball defense, and that's what they struggled with against Baylor. So I think they've changed their defense. Uh, they're a lot more like Texas Tech in terms of what they try to do. They don't do nearly as much zone this year, almost no zone, and they've gone to more so playing tight defense, and, and then you know those weapons have made them difficult. But I think that's kind of the thing in college basketball. You look a few weeks ago, and Auburn was the top five team in the country. They lose two games, and then they beat Iowa State this week, and I think they dropped the spot. And so you know, they go from being a top yeah. four team and – now they're seventeen and two, and they're like seventeenth or eighteenth in the country. And it just seems like there's so many teams that there's not necessarily an elite team this year, mm-hmm. but there's so many teams at any given night. You know, whether it's Gonzaga or Baylor or Kansas, um, that it seems like it's going to be maybe one of the more interesting marches that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that, and I'm all for it if that's uh, how it works out. Yeah, I mean uh, Auburn last night didn't they have to? They took uh, what Old Miss took them to double OT mm-hmm. in Oxford last night, which was crazy, and Auburn did have that bad week, and then Iowa State came back on him. Well, we shall see. Great stuff. By the way, uh, who do you like on Sunday? Who are you going to take? Uh, I'm going with the 49ers. I just think their ability to run the ball. I've watched their last two games against Minnesota and uh, Green Bay, and they basically ran however they wanted to in either of those games. And I think that kind of makes for a dangerous team, as long as Garoppolo can, can make some passes if he's forced to. Indeed. Good stuff, Alex. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks, guys. Uh, Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, 24-7 Sports. Yeah, Auburn, double OT in Oxford last night. No missing very good, are they? No, they're all right. They're all right? They're okay. Yeah, just they're, okay. They're an yeah. NIT-type team. Okay. Uh, though I did uh, see a clip somebody had, Marshall Henderson, <laughs> yes. famously playing yeah. against Auburn. <laughs> I love that dude. Yeah, I he loved was him so different much. dude, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. Do you know we very well could be trending to only three teams from the Big 12 getting in to the NCAA tournament? So Texas Tech isn't getting a spot? So, and I thought that was crazy. When that Kentucky I, game was very entertaining. It was. So when I was talking to Doster on Monday, Rob mm-hmm. Doster from NBC Sports, and I said, yeah, tough loss for them. We were kind of talking about it. And I said, but they're going to be fine. And he breaks up their resume. They only have one win against Quad 1. They only have one other win against Quadrant 2. Mm-hmm. Their resume is incredibly thin. I was looking at one of those predictors that kind of predicts the rest of the season based on computer rankings. Baylor finishing 17 and 1, Kansas and West Virginia both 15 and 3, and Texas Tech at 11 and 7. The next team, TCU at 7 and 11. If that's the case, you're talking best case scenario is four. Yeah. And Texas Tech needs to add some good wins to it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, if you're not beating Baylor, West Virginia, or Kansas, Aren't a whole lot of good wins in there in the Big Twelve. Yeah, well, they'll have an opportunity to do that in the in the tournament too. But that's a good point. I didn't realize that, Trent. It's a it's an empty that. resume that right. I hadn't thought of either. The Big Ten's got double digits, and, right. and the Big Twelve only going to get three. We talked about I still the AC, think the ACC. How bad the ACC yes. is? We talked about that this year. These bids have to come from somewhere. It's just a weird. It year. is no dominant team. Yeah. Every time that Duke looks like they finally kind of right the ship, and they play terrible, mm-hmm. and they. I can't figure it out. This is as wide open of a tournament. And not just to win the whole thing, but to get to a Final Four. So will this make it? We're going to start with our bracketologist, Shelby Mass, next week. We'll Mm -hmm. have him on every week. I'm anxious to find out from him. I mean, we've talked about with with him for years now, and some years are more difficult than others to get your arms, wrap your arms around these bids. I mean, these bracketologists, they're they're going to swing and miss it a bunch this year, I would think. Yeah. At least at this point of the year. 66, 67 of the 68 teams they get in there. Yeah, they miss seeds, but you know, right. which, of course it's going to happen. You're going, you're going to get the most. Are we going to see these bracketologists at 62, 63? 
out of 68. It feels Wouldn't like if surprised. there's a season four, it's going to be this one. Well, is there a night for it at Hilton Coliseum? There's always one. There's always one. See, it's going to be a long year. Yes. This isn't a tournament team. Iowa State needs something to they cheer sh- about. Their fan base needs something yes. to cheer about. The team felt pretty good, I think, getting down the airplane. Even though they lost, they are scrappy at the end of it, right? right. Trent, this looks like there were times in the game I thought they were going to beat on Saturday against Auburn. Auburn was going to beat them by 20 plus. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. And then they peck the way and get, wow, they're going to cover. No, they're not going to. They're going to cover the spread. <laughs> they covered. They can win this thing. Um, might this be the night? Because there's only what? Because Texas Tech isn't ranked. Nope. So West Virginia, I think that's senior night, right? Is West Virginia the last game at Hilton? I want to say it is. In fact, I'm 99. percent Well, fool, you've got the schedule in front of you. Ah, uh, it is. Not yes. you, fool. Me, fool. <laughs> senior night, senior Tuesday, night. March 3rd. And then K State's the final game of the year, mm-hmm. and that's the last ESPN Plus game. That one will be on the road to Manhattan. So there's only a couple of opportunities to pick off a ranked team in front of the home folks. Might tonight be the night. Point spread, we'll talk about that. We'll come back, finish things up as we take you until noon. We're here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3. Whiskey of the Year. of the program. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. If you miss any portion of the program, because a guest that you missed, you can always uh, go to the podcast page, kxno.com, and uh, click the podcast, and there they will be. So I was gone a couple of days. Yes. And it dawned on me as we went to the last break. Do we have a name for the FM, or do we know? I saw on Friday there, the best name, I uh, well, 106.3, The Sipker. <laughs> Jeez. I'm guessing that came from Scott. Uh, that makes sense. Yes, the Sipker. The Sipker. Have we? Have we just? Do we know what we're doing? So I think K fan. It's just that it is. And when they they say the FM, they don't even mention the AM anymore. No, you can't just gloss over it. I don't. When I was up there, it was not mentioned. I got it. Though it's still a part of it. It's all about the FM. Is it just 106.3 KXNO? Probably so. I think that's probably the direction it's going to be. You know, another weird kind of inside business thing is either stations that market themselves and they they drop the point whatever. Sometimes it's like in the middle. It's like a point five, but they'll just say the first couple of numbers. 99.5, but it's Mm -hmm. just 99 FM, whatever. And then do you use the dot or do you not say dot or do you say 106.3 or point 106.3 or 106.3, whatever it is. I don't know. That That's the language. There's people higher up that can figure out that kind of thing in the way that it's marketed. But I do know. Well, they certainly won't come to us for any. No. <laughs> Nor should they. No, not at all. But, uh, point but, but no different. decision made yet. No decision. Yeah. We uh, I'm sure we'll know more in the coming weeks mm-hmm. and maybe months. It takes a while kind of for all the. Nuts and bolts to get figured out with that part of it, too. Uh, Andrew Downs is telling me a little bit just about the Nielsen portion of it, too, and how long it's going to take to get full credit for the FM. Mm. That takes a while, too, which is interesting. I wasn't aware of that. Well, uh, what are you doing tonight? Did you like anything? Are you going to stay away from the Iowa State-Baylor game? Is that one of your plays tonight? I'm probably going to play Baylor. At four? You're going to lay the four, play Baylor? I think I kind of have to after Mm -hmm. getting burned by... 
you're not supposed to let what happened in the past kind of influence what you did, but I got burned in that Iowa State-Kansas game, and that's still lingering for me. So I'll lay the points with Baylor tonight. Uh, the two in-state schools, Drake and Indiana State, and you and I hosting Missouri State, Panthers favored by 10. It's a still a really Jeez. talented Missouri State team. You're real disappointing to Yes, no doubt. But there's talent on that team. I think I'm going to grab the 10 with most State. Well, you would think that uh, you know that, that that would get their attention, having the number one team in the conference right. in their building, and and their season has got not gone well. Okay, take and ten. So that's your play of the night. I like that play. Late night, undefeated San Diego State. They're going to the pit, and you're getting eleven. Okay, not it only sounds I, like you're grabbing some points tonight. Grabbing points, and I'm also just a little nibble on that money line, nice. just just to have a taste of it. That's going to be uh 8 o'clock game also. I, I was hoping that was more at 9 o'clock, something like that, catch the second half after the Clones game instead, uh, be flipping back and forth there. But those are my plays of the evening that I Well, like. we're starting to see some plays in Vegas on the on the Super Bowl, some half-a-million-dollar bets, some yeah. a lot of six-figure bets are starting to come in. Do you know how that works? Say you're not a known player. Then you call in advance. You call in advance. Oh, you reach out in advance. Will you Do you bring a it? duffel bag full of cash? Is it a cash advance? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I've seen of suitcases full. Yeah. Um, I've seen that, too. I've seen the guy with the backpack, mm-hmm. and it's full of cash. Right. And taking out stacks of bills. Right. <laughs> Just... And then they run them through the counter that they have behind the counter. But, yeah, we're... And then I, mean, I go up next to him and say, yeah, I'd like uh, $22 <laughs> yeah. on 1104. What's the minimum? What's the, what's the minimum? Can, can I, I go five? <laughs> yeah, does it, uh, that's funny. Uh but the the bets are spread out. I mean, half million dollar bets. Trent, I have no idea who's going to win this game. I still on San Francisco's side. I mm-hmm. think, and I'm same way with Kansas City. It's mm-hmm. that initial feeling that you have after the game. I want to see Mahomes. He's been running the ball more. Well, I think he's going to be running for his life on yes. Sunday. That's how I see the football, and game. that's where it is too. In fact, we're going to be doing our television show here in just a few moments. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about the prop bets here on the radio program too, probably tomorrow. I'm because William Hill's got how many? Oh, the ad says hundreds. Yeah, right? and that's something that the Patrick Mahomes rushing statistics. I, I looked at a couple online. I think that's where I'm going to be dabbling. I think there's an opportunity there because, like you said, he's going to be running around a lot there, out there a lot. And I think there's an opportunity there to to be able to jump on those props. Well, the game will be here before we know it. The props are available across the state, whichever. Uh property that you make your wagers with. All right, I can bet you're going to be with Murph and Andy from 2 until... See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I got it. That's a pro trend. Professional. Uh, Even two, uh, with a couple days off? Yeah, don't lose a step at all. No. Uh, 2 to 4, Murph and Andy, then the Fanatics in here tonight at 4. We'll start things anew tomorrow, the morning rush, 6 a.m. before Trent and I take over at 10. Thanks for being here. We're Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.5